Hi everyone, it's Lindsay with Leverage Ambition. Today we're going to read Chapter 6 of The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. Chapter 6, Casting the Burden, Impressing the Subconscious. When man knows his own powers and the working of his mind, his great desire is to find an easy and quick way to impress the subconscious with good. For simply an intellectual knowledge of the truth will not bring results. In my own case, I found the easiest way is in the casting, the burden. A metaphysician once explained it in this matter. He said, the only thing which gives anything weight in nature is the law of gravitation. And if a boulder could be taken high above the planet, there would be no weight in that boulder. And that is what Jesus Christ meant when he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Had he overcome the world vibration and functioned in the fourth dimensional realm, where there is only perfection, completion, life, and joy. He said, come to on me all, ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We are also told in the 55th Psalm to cast thy burden upon the Lord. Many passages in the Bible state that the battle is God's, not man's, and that man is always to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This indicates that the superconscious mind, or Christ within, is the department which fights man's battle and relieves him of burdens. We see, therefore, that man violates law if he carries a burden, and a burden is an adverse thought or condition, and this thought or condition has its root in the subconscious. It seems impossible to make any headway directing the subconscious from the conscious or reasoning mind, as the reasoning mind, the intellect, is limited in its conceptions and filled with doubts and fears. How scientific is it, then, to cast the burden upon the superconscious mind, or Christ within, where it is made light or dissolved into its native nothingness? For example, a woman was in each urgent need of money, made light upon the Christ within, the superconscious, and the statement, I cast this burden on, of lack on the Christ within, and I go free to have plenty. The belief in lack was her burden, and she cast it upon the superconscious with its belief of plenty, an avalanche of supply was the result. We read, The Christ in you, the hope of glory. Another example, one of my students had been given a new piano, and there was no room in her studio for it until she moved out the old one. She was in a state of perplexity. She wanted to keep the old piano, but knew no place to send it. She became desperate, as the new piano was to be sent immediately. In fact, was on its way with no place to put it. She said it came to her to repeat, I cast this burden on the Christ within, I go free. A few moments later, her phone rang, and a woman asked if she might rent her old piano, and it was moved out a few minutes before the new one arrived. I knew a woman whose burden was resentment. She said, I cast this burden of resentment on the Christ within, and I go free to be loving, harmonious, and happy. The Almighty Superconscious flooded the super subconscious with love, and her whole life was changed. For years, resentment had held her in a state of torment and imprisoned her, and imprisoned her soul, the subconscious mind. The statement should be made over and over, sometimes for hours at a time, silently or audibly, with the quietness but determination. I have often compared it to winding up a Victrola. We must wind ourselves up with the spoken words. I have noticed in casting the burden, after a little while, one seems to see clearly. 
it is impossible to have clear vision while in the throes of carnal mind. Doubts and fear poison the mind and body, and imagination runs riot, attracting disaster and disease. And steadily repeating the affirmation, I cast this burden on the Christ within and go free. The vision it clears, and with it a feeling of relief, and sooner or later comes the manifestation of good, be it health, happiness, or supply. One of my students asked me to explain the darkness before the dawn. I referred in it a preceding chapter to the fact that often, before the big demonstration, everything seems to go wrong, and deep depression clouds the consciousness. It means that out of the subconscious are rising doubts and fears of the ages. These old re derelicts of the subconscious rise to the surface to be put out. It is then that man should clap his symbols like Jehoshaphat and give thanks that he is saved, even though he seems to be surrounded by the enemy, the situation of lack or disease. The student continued, how long must one remain in the dark? I replied, until one can see in the dark, casting the burden enables one to see in the dark. In order to impress the subconscious, active faith is always essential. Faith without works is dead. In these chapters, I have endeavored to bring out this point. Jesus Christ shows active faith when he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground before he gave thanks for the loaves and fishes. I will give another example showing how necessary this step is. In fact, active faith is the bridge over which man passes into his promised land. Through misunderstanding, a woman had been separated from her husband, whom she loved deeply. He refused all the offers of reconciliation and would not communicate with her in any way. Coming to the knowledge of spiritual law, she denied the appearance of separation. She made this statement, There is no separation in divine mind, therefore I cannot be separated from the love and compassion which are mine by divine right. She showed the act of faith by arranging a place for him at the table every day, thereby impressing the subconscious with a picture of his return. Over a year passed, but she never wavered, and one day he walked in. The subconscious is often impressed through music. Music has a fourth-dimensional quality and releases the soul from imprisonment. It makes wonderful things seem possible and easy of accomplishment. I have a friend who uses her Vitrola daily, for this is purpose. It puts her in perfect harmony and releases the imagination. Another woman often dances while making her affirmations. The rhythm and harmony of music and motion carry her words with tremendous power. The student must also remember not to despise the day of small things. Invariably, before a demonstration comes signs of land. Before Columbus reached America, he saw birds and twigs which showed the land was near. So it is with a demonstration but often the student mistakes for the demonstration itself and is disappointed. For example, a woman had spoken the word for a set of dishes. Not long afterwards, a friend gave her a dish which was old and cracked. She came to me and said, Well, I asked for a set of dishes, and I, all I got was a cracked plate. I replied, The plate was only signs of land. It showed your dishes are coming. Look upon it as birds and seaweed. And not long afterwards, the dishes came. Continually, make-believe impresses the subconscious. If one makes believe he is rich and makes believe he is successful, in due time it will reap. Children are always making believe, and except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. For example, I know of a woman who is very poor, but no one could make her feel poor. 
She earned a small amount of money from rich friends who constantly reminded her of her poverty and to be careful in saving. Regardless of their admon admonitions, she would spend all of her earnings on a hat or make someone a gift and be in a rapturous state of mind. Her thoughts were always centered on beautiful clothes and rings and things, but without envying others. She lived in the world of the wondrous, and only riches seemed to reel her. Before she married a rich man, and the rings and things became visible. I do not know whether the man was the divine selection, but opulence had to manifest in her life, as she had imagined only opulence. There is no peace or happiness for man until he has erased all fear from the subconscious. Fear is misdirected energy and must be redirected or transmuted into faith. Jesus Christ said, Why are ye feel fearful, O ye of little faith? All things are possible to him that believeth. I am asked so often by my students, how can I get rid of fear? I reply, by walking up to the thing you're afraid of. The line takes its fierceness from your fear. Walk up to the line and he will disappear. Run away and he runs after you. I have shown in previous chapters how the line of lack disappeared when the individual spent money fearlessly, showing faith that God was his supply and therefore unfailing. Many of my students have come out of the bondage of poverty and are now bountifully supplied through losing all fear of letting go money go out. The subconscious is impressed with the truth that God is the giver and the gift. Therefore, as one is one with the giver, he is one with the gift. A simple statement is, I now know God the giver for the God of gift. Man has so long separated himself from his good and his supply through thoughts of separation and lack that sometimes it takes dynamite to dislodge these false ideas from the subconscious and the dynamite is a big situation. We see in the foregoing illustration how the individual was freed from his bondage by showing fearlessness. Man should watch himself hourly to detect if his motive for action is fear or faith. Choose ye this day whom we shall serve, fear or faith. Perhaps one's fear is of personality. Then do not avoid the people feared by willing to be meet them cheerfully, and they will prove golden links in the chain of one's good or disappear harmoniously from one's pathway. Perhaps one's fear is of disease or germs. Then one should be fearless and undisturbed in a German-laden situation he would be immune. One can only contract germs while vibrating at the same level and rate as a germ, and fear drags men down to a level of the germ. Of course, the disease-laden germ is the product of carnal mind and all that must objectify. Germs do not exist in the subconscious or divine mind, therefore the product of man's vain imagination. In the twinkling of an eye, man's release will come when he realizes there is no power in evil. The material world will fade away and the fourth dimensional world will, world of the wondrous, will swing into manifestation. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's chapter, what did we do here now? We did chapter, let's see here. This was chapter six, and this is the game of life and how to play it by Florence Scovel Shin. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I really appreciate you listening in on our words today. Um, thank you so much.